Welcome to the Dieter Melhorn Fishing Podcast. Whether you like to fish, enjoy talking about fishing, or just enjoy the fishing lifestyle, this is the podcast for you. So go grab yourself a cold drink or a hot cup of coffee, sit back, start tying up some fishing rigs, and enjoy the show. Well, hello, folks, and welcome to the Dieter Melhorn Fishing Podcast. I hope you're having a good day, whatever day it is that you happen to be listening to the show. To all the new listeners who have stumbled upon the podcast, thank you for checking it out and taking the time to listen. And all the regular listeners, thanks for returning. As always, any of you folks that want to leave a comment, give me some feedback, go to my website, DieterMelhornFishing.com. There's a comment contact section on there. You can send me an email um, and give me some feedback that way. That is the best way to get a hold of me. There's also links to my YouTube channel uh, on the website and also links to my guide service that I do here in the Carolinas. So feel free to check it out, uh, DieterMillHornFishing.com. Hey, listen, today I'm going to talk a little bit about Santee Cooper. Um uh, some of you folks from the fishing world, catfish world, uh, are familiar with it. Anybody that's from the bass fishing world will also know about it. Anybody from the crappie fishing world will know about it. Pretty much anybody that fishes uh, or has pursued big fish, trophy fish, uh, will know about Santee Cooper. It's basically two lakes that are connected by a canal. I'll go into more on that in a minute down in South Carolina. Uh, I was down there for a few days this week fishing, uh, doing some stuff, uh, taping some podcasts. I took a little bit of time to uh, hook up with a guy named Jimmy Smith, which you need to check out his YouTube channel. Uh, it's Fishing and Gear Outdoor Entertainment. Uh, he's relatively new to the YouTube world and relatively new to being a boat fisherman on Santee Cooper. He grew up there in that area and uh, had fished it all his life from the bank and piers and that kind of stuff. But just recently, within a few years, um, started fishing out of a boat and started pursuing trophy catfish. And he's had tremendous luck doing so. Um, and I found kind of his story being pretty interesting. The fact that he lives down there, grew up around that area, but he was well into his adult life before he decided to pursue trophy catfish. And, uh, I taped a podcast with him. It will be out probably next week or the week after that. Um, so it's an episode or two down the road, but it's definitely going to be worth checking out. But uh, if you fish for catfish down there, check out his webs or his YouTube channel because uh, he gives up a lot of good information in the videos. And he's not going to sit there and list it as a line item. Here's Tip number one, tip number two, tip number three. He has stuff in there that when I sit there and watch his videos, I'm like, dude, that that is some information that it took me a long time to figure out. But yeah, it's fishing and gear, outdoor entertainment. Uh, I think he's going to be an up and comer as far as content from Santee Cooper. Uh, he, he's he's catching fish. He's sharing good information. He also makes some drift sinkers, and uh, he's got links to that there on his YouTube channel. Any of you guys looking for drifting sinkers, he makes his own line of them uh, that he uh, sells. And a uh, really good guy, so keep your eyes open for that podcast here in a couple of weeks. But uh, yeah, I was down there fishing. I taped that. We went out fishing, 
had a really good day. You'll be seeing a YouTube video uh, that I'll be making. It'll probably be a, another month or so down the road, midsummer 2022. It'll be up. Uh, lucked into a couple of big fish back to back at the same time and uh, had a real good time. Also, just did some fishing down there, just um, messing around and fishing on the lakes. I, uh, I don't know. I've probably been going down there for about 15 or 18 years. Um, it's a catfish mecca it, uh, with, with, without a doubt, it was probably one of the first catfishing destinations in America, as far as a place that was truly known for having catfish and big catfish. It's the home to the current world record channel catfish. W.H. Whaley caught a 58 pound channel catfish down there. And now a lot of people will try to make the argument that, oh, that's a blue catfish. Uh, that's not really a channel. But if you go back and do a little research, or if you watch my video on YouTube, you'll see uh, that blue catfish uh, were not in the reservoir when he had caught it. And uh, some people have suggested maybe some had been put in there or moved in there, but they would not have been in there in time for them to grow to those kind of proportions. So it's a, uh, it's a record that will has stood the test of time so far. I do think it has potential to be broken, believe it or not. I don't think it'll come from Santee Cooper, though. I think it will come uh, from one of the lakes out in California, most likely, uh, if the Channel Cat record's broken. But uh, it's uh, home to the South Carolina state record blue catfish, which I believe is 109 pounds, somewhere right around that range. It's home to great bass fishing, uh, some of the best springtime bass fishing anywhere in the country. Now, some bass fishermen will tell you the bass disappear after spring, uh, but they're still there. Some great crappie fishing, uh, huge crappie in the place. Um, a lot of that is tied to some of the timber that's in there. There's a lot of natural structure in the lake. And some great bluegill fishing. There are some tremendous uh, bluegill that can be caught there. So it's a great fishery. It's too massive lakes i don't remember the square footage off the top of my head but just either one of them are the largest lakes in the carolinas uh, and you combine them together and they're just massive now these lakes were created back in the 40s uh, planning for this started in the 30s and the original dream was one to provide electricity to a rural part of south carolina uh, an impoverished part of South Carolina, very agricultural area. And uh, one was to provide electricity. Another was a dream of having transportation via water up into the upstate of South Carolina. Um, and these, uh, or I should say the, the Midlands of South Carolina, the, uh, the locks uh, or the dam actually has a lock on it uh, to where that you can lock through all the way to the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, and channelways are marked. It's a navigable waterway. And uh, it was a pretty big dream and vision at the time. Uh, they began work on the dams. They built the lower lake, which is Lake Moultrie. And as they got it completed, the upper lake, uh, they were clearing timber off of that area up there. This is about the time World War II was starting and everything was expedited. They quit cutting the timber and flooded the lake so that they could have power generation so that 
they could power the shipyards that were being operated downstream in Charleston. Uh, so what ended up happening was Lower Lake is basically clear of a lot of the standing timber. The Upper Lake, on the other hand, had a forest that was left in the middle of it. They flooded the standing timber, and for decades, there were standing trees in the Upper Lake, Lake Marion. Uh, when Hurricane Hugo came around in the early 90s, uh, or was that late 80s? don't remember exactly. I just remember I was in the military, and we were actually in Greenland when it hit. Uh, but a lot of that, because of the the way the storm was, it pushed really far inland with hurricane strength winds. And it knocked down a lot of what they called the dead forest that was standing timber in Lake Marion. Much of these trees sank to the bottom. A few remained standing, but a lot of them are stumps uh, that may be sticking out of the water. They may be a few inches below the water. It just depends on the lake level. So, uh, the upper lake can be somewhat of a navigation hazard, to say the least. So um, the two lakes are connected by a canal. Um, the upper lake is built on a river, and uh, just like most lakes are in uh, America, but the bottom one is built by water being diverted from the upper lake through what they call the diversion canal. Uh, it's a big, uh, I forget how many miles long it is, but a canal that connects the two lakes. And uh, it creates power generation in two different places. There is a dam on Lake Moultrie and a dam on Lake Marion. And it's just a massive engineering project, uh, a massive lakes. Uh, and when I say big, when you pull out of the canal into the lower lake, you feel like you are pulling out of a... A, of an inlet into the ocean uh, you can barely see trees on the other side uh, if it's at all cloudy or foggy you will not see anything on the other side massive lakes um, one of the downsides to these lakes is um, because of their size especially on the lower lake winds can be a big problem and they play uh, you can get some significant waves built up on the lakes and very short in distance and what i mean by that is the distance between the waves uh, just because it's fresh water it's less dense than salt water builds a little bit quicker the waves are shorter and it can create a mess people die on the lake every year uh, due to either going out into bad wind and weather conditions or they're caught on the lake in bad uh, wind conditions and it can come up relatively quickly um you know obviously sometimes winds take a while to build up but sometimes with thunderstorms you can have some significant growth in wave height and people have been caught in those and people have died some people have cheated death out there before uh it's not a place uh to mess around in a small boat uh it's not a place really to mess around at all in any size boat as any mariner will tell you even the guys that go offshore uh it, when it's when it's 15 plus miles an hour it gets it, it gets dangerous out there when you get into days in the springtime winter when you have fronts coming through and you've got sustained winds of 20 to 25 miles an hour it's a place you don't need to go out on to um, there are pockets to get out of it it's surrounded by boat ramps both lakes lots of public access 
So there are places you can get to basically duck out of the wind. If you have a south wind going to a ramp from the south end of the lake, it will be manageable. Uh, if you have a south wind going to a ramp on the north end of the lake, will probably get you killed. So um, you have to be kind of cognizant of the wind, the weather, what's going on. Another thing that really creates kind of a dangerous situation is the canal. Um, the canal can be flowing quickly with a large volume of water, just like the Mississippi River, or it can barely be moving. What happens a lot of times with some of these east winds, anything blowing to the west side, uh, the canal dumps in from that direction. So you get kind of the same effect you would get on a river or an inlet down at the ocean to where you've got wind-driven current and waves going one way, and then you've got the current from the falling water coming out of the canal, and it can create a washing machine for several hundred yards at the mouth of the canal. So there's a lot to keep in mind there safety-wise uh, when you're down there. But with that said, as everybody knows, it's not always bad. It's not always windy. That's a very, you know, minor part of the time. So there's a lot of good times to get down there and get fishing. The canal does offer a safety zone, so to speak, uh, because the weather doesn't get really bad up in the canal. So a lot of people who go to Santee Cooper fishing... Um, will spend their entire time in the canal fishing. Uh, you can catch fish there. It can be good fishing. But you really miss the experience of Santee Cooper by staying in that canal the entire time. There are many people do it. That's what you're comfortable with. And if that's what you're comfortable with, you're probably better off being in there. But uh, it does, even for experienced fishermen down there, that know better than going out in bad conditions. Give them a place to duck into. Um, that you can try fishing and uh, like I said sometimes it's good fishing sometimes it's not so great it's a good little migration point where stuff everything gets funneled down and pinched into that is heading upstream when you have stripers make a, making a run some of the herring some of the shad uh, when they're making that migration run up what they think is a river they'll come up through here and it will be uh, there will be a lot of fish in that area. Same thing when they decide to travel back downstream after their spawn. Now I was down there for three days fishing. And out of three days, two of them were extremely calm. The third day was more, I would call, normal Santee. They called for five to eight mile an hour winds. We were kidding 10 to 12. It was pretty snotty, uh, manageable in my boat, uh, nothing as a safety concern, but uh, it, it was windy. And when it's windy like that, you have to pick and choose your battles. You have to decide whether you're going to you know, fish the windblown banks where stuff's getting stirred up and you've got you know, two footers beating you to death, or if you're going to fish on the other side where the wind is coming from and duck out of it a little bit but not maybe get as much advantage with the wind i was kind of in the middle we were fishing in the middle of the lake uh, a couple of miles from where the channel markers are that go across it and honestly uh for the time i was down there being second week i don't know exactly when their spawn hits hard and heavy down there but they were in some stage of the spawn I say all this to say we caught fish. Uh, the first day, I think it was 13 fish in the boat. About half of them were in the teens, which is good. Now, Santee's Cooper is known for catching big fish, but it is not every fish you catch a big fish, just like most big fish lakes are. 
but for that day, that was pretty good catching. I think the biggest that day was in the mid-20s. Uh, fish were shallower, uh, believe it or not, and I was seeing 82 to 85 degree water. The lake's stable. The levels have been stable. There hasn't been a lot of water moving through it. It's fairly clear. It's getting a lot of light penetration. Water's heating up. So water was pretty warm. Uh, the one thing that was interesting was there was, on the second day there, a massive mayfly hatch. And this is like the second week of June. And the other thing I found the first day, which may have led to producing the fish that I was catching, was a massive die-off of mussels. Mussels were coming to the top, and I'm talking about the little clam-looking things, uh, freshwater clams, freshwater mussels, whatever you want to call them. They were opening up. The actual mussel inside them was releasing, I say the actual living bean part, not the shell. It basically, basically looks like a big old piece of white snot. Uh, was floating to the top. This happens when the water temperatures get up for the first time. I'm not sure what the science and biology is behind that that causes it to happen, but it leads to these things floating out. They almost look like cotton balls on top of the water. And fish feed on them. Fish feed on them. Birds feed on them. And I found this in one small isolated area and fished it, and I caught a lot of fish. Uh, the second day uh, I was out there as the day I went out with Jimmy Smith um, and was fishing with him. He is, again, the guy from YouTube. And uh, we fished that area. Didn't see the mussels the second day. We caught a few fish. And then we went to another area, basically some underwater points. And um, the thing I was finding was the fish I was catching were up on these humps and these points. This was in anywhere we were catching them from anywhere from 8 to 12 feet of water. The next day, we caught a few fish in those same areas, not as many, not as high a catch rate. We moved to deeper water, and we're making a pull toward one of these points. Coincidentally, uh, it was the same area where I caught my personal best blue cat uh, at 70, 71 pounds, whatever it was, uh, in 2020. Uh, deeper water, 30, 35 feet of water, pretty much a channel flat there basically a main channel which there's not really a river channel through there there's just a low area through there um, and we were within probably a quarter mile of that area dragging hadn't really it was a pretty slow bite at this point and we hooked two good fish the first one planer board got buried like i've never seen a board go down before got drug across the water, went under, and was down for probably five or six seconds. Uh, ended up being a blue that was in the mid-50s. Uh, massive fish. Uh, that was great. It was on my side of the boat. I was happy. We were both happy, but that wasn't all. About the time we got that fish into the boat, Jimmy was moving some lines on his side of the boat. Boom, there's actually a fish on it. Goes to fighting it, goes to bringing it in, and... It turns out this fish uh, was bigger than we thought. There was not a, uh, it was not fighting a lot, not really that aggressive, nowhere near as bad as the blue was. And it ends up being a flathead around 40 pounds. Now, two interesting notes. One was both of these fish were caught on chicken. Why? Well, it's the only bait we had. Uh, <clears throat> we were kind of doing a little comparison. I was using my small pieces of chicken, chicken breast. Jimmy uses, uh, he fishes almost exclusively with chicken down there on Santee Cooper and uh, was using larger pieces. Um, 
the other thing that was interesting, before we left, Jimmy had some ideas on where he wanted to go. I said, hey, dude, you fish here. We're going to go where you want to go fish. We'll just drive my boat. Uh, it, it was bigger. We had more room uh, and a little bigger motor. So we were good if the weather got bad. But anyway, uh, he's showing me on his phone where this is. And I'm looking and I'm okay. That's kind of, you know, it looks like a few miles from where I was yesterday. And we're going out and... and as I'm looking at his map on the phone, I realize his map is upside down from what my map is oriented. The bottom line was he was going to the exact same place where I had been the day before. Uh, we got closer and you could see the trail circling the point, that, the hump that we were on, that I was on. And it's funny how a lake that massive, you can have fishermen ended up in the same small area and it kind of proves the the old 90 10 rule you know 90 percent of the fish are in 10 percent of the water there are certain areas that no matter where you go good fishermen will gravitate to and uh, that's kind of what happened here and uh, we fished the first place caught some fish and then it was like hey i want to go try this other place and the other place he showed me was literally like i said within a few hundred yards of where i caught the uh personal bless personal best blue in 2020 so um it's a uh it was a good week a good week uh of a few days of fishing down there uh this was mid-june like i said not the exact best time to be down there but we were catching fish I uh, went out the next day with Matt Miles. He was the creator of the Catfish brand. Uh, no longer owns the company, but uh, that's the K-A-T-F-I-S-H, the uh, people who make the clothing that is built around the catfishing lifestyle. And uh, But yeah, uh, we've remained friends since he got out of the business, and we went fishing. We caught some fish. We had the wind, though. We were there the last day, and uh, the wind never died down. A lot of times on these lakes, you'll get a good morning breeze going on. And then once kind of everything stabilizes that with the atmosphere and the heating and all that stuff that takes place, uh, the winds will die. They never died for us. Uh, we did not have the convenience I had the first day when it was slick as glass out there, which is very rare on Santee. I could basically troll where I wanted to. I, could, I was making circles and figure eights out there working the same area. Uh, the winds were, like I said, around 12 miles sustained. So we were pretty much state straight line drifting at that point. Uh, we had, you know, solid, you know, one foot waves out there, very short with some stuff around two feet coming through. So it, it, you're kind of locked into that type of, of fishing. You could anchor in it theoretically if you want to put out some big anchors. And But we decided to drift, so we didn't have the luxury, but we ended off up picking off some fish. We had to do a lot of because of the wind direction, some short drags across these humps uh, where basically you had about a 20-minute window of where you were in the target zone and then you were either too shallow or too deep. We ended up picking off some fish. We ended up picking a couple of, uh, I think, in the teens and one in the mid-20s. So overall, it was good fishing, good catching, and it looks like Santee right now is on the backside of their spawn. Typically... Santee Cooper seems to be about two weeks ahead of where we are further inland uh, up around the Charlotte area on the Catawba Channel Lakes. Um, so I think their fishing is going to get better and better and better as it goes uh, on into the summer um, and really, really good in the fall. 
Uh, I think it'll get more predictable. There'll be more and more big fish caught. There'll be more and more flatheads caught. We were lucky to get one that was in the 40s. That was a good fish, uh, an excellent fish. Um, and But I think it'll be easier to target those fish now. Their water temperatures, like I said, were 82 to 85 degrees. I think their spawning's been going on for a while, and they're on the backside of it. So uh, if you get a chance to head down to Santee Cooper, uh, it's definitely a great destination. There are plenty of places that to stay down there uh, it's a very rural area but right there on the lake there are what they call fish camps i stayed at black's camp uh, there are probably at least a dozen of these places located around the lakes uh, pretty much every side uh, there's a lot of them right around the canal there's canal lakes harry's um, uh, i can't even think of all the different names rock pond is further up around utahville on the upper lake uh, Jack's, uh, there's a ton of them there. These places have rooms. They have uh, little houses you can rent. Some of them have cabins. Um, and it's very fishing oriented. Most of them have a boat ramp where you can put your uh, boat in and access to electricity for charging stuff. So uh, it's an interesting destination. And there are plenty of fishing guides down there. Uh, if any of you people decide to go down there, and you're looking for a guy, send me a message. I know some people down there that uh, I can steer you towards. And, uh, hey, if I'm ever down there and for any extended period of time, you can jump on the boat with me. I don't consider myself a seasoned Santee guide like some of the guides, but we managed to catch some fish. So, uh, yeah, it's a great destination. Anybody's looking to go, uh, uh, you know, I think you need to go at some point. Keep an eye on the weather. Uh, if you can plan your times to go, uh, you know, and some flexibility, you know, several days is probably a better idea than having one day just in case you catch bad weather. It's usually bad, worse in the spring. Uh, that's usually when the winds are kind of north, northeast, and it can get pretty snotty out there then. Uh, sadly, it's some of the best fishing then. Some of the shallow water fishing is going on then. Starting to warm up. It can be great fishing. So that's the double-edged sword of that time of the year. Summertime, uh, not as bad with the winds, but you do get afternoon thunderstorms. That area there, it's not far from the coast. You get a lot of thunderstorms that develop in the afternoon. So if you're an early bird like me and you're out there at 5 o'clock in the morning, you're probably better off. It's not that big of a deal. Uh, if you're trying to get out in the afternoon into the evening, Keep an eye on the skies, pay attention to the weather, see what's going on, because, yeah, you can get hit with thunderstorms that develop down there. So, anyway, uh, that's just uh, a little rundown on Santee Cooper, my trip down there, and uh, I'll be doing some more of these podcasts. And like I said, uh, Jimmy's podcast will be coming up uh, where he's going to tell you his story. It'll be one that will be out here in a couple weeks, so keep an eye out for it. But, anyway, that's it for now, folks. Uh, we'll catch you guys out on the water.